When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all. Looking to bring it open. He's got it. Snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for our final draft preview here for 2023. As the NFL draft gets going tonight, round number one at 8 o'clock. The Jets, as of right now, this could change because they could trade up or down. Are at number 15 after that pick swap with the Green Bay Packers. So later on, we are going to talk to Emery Hunt, who is going to take us through the guys that he likes on the defensive side of the ball. But before we get to Emery, we're going to bring in our friend who is the godfather of online draft content, the founder and owner of WalterFootball.com, frequent guest on the show, good friend of mine. You know him, you love him, Walter Cherpinski. Walter, thanks for coming back on the show, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the draft is less than 24 hours away. Uh, it's kind of insane uh, how quickly this has gone. But yeah, uh, soon enough, we're going to know where everyone's going. This is the busiest time of year for you. So I'm really honored that you were able to take a few minutes out of your busy schedule to spend it with me and talk about what the Jets may do, the latest about what you're hearing with the rumors and all of that, final predictions. Before we get to that, though, we should talk about the Aaron Rodgers presser today. Aaron Rodgers arrived at Florham Park. Some really cool videos that the Jets put together with their social media team, with Aaron Rodgers walking into the building, giving a big handshake to Robert Sala, a hug to Woody Johnson, a handshake and a hug to Joe Douglas. And so here were some of the highlights from the press conference today. Woody Johnson began by saying it was a happy day for his brother Christopher and for him and for the organization and Jets fans all over. Aaron Rodgers began speaking. He said it was a surreal day for him because after spending 18 years in the same city, he is here in New York to join the Jets because he believes in the team. Says that the chapter with the Packers is over now. Reiterated how impressed he was with the Jets last year when the Packers played them. He said, quote, they smoked us last year, so I knew they had a good team. 
Rodgers said he wanted to be a part of a team where he thought he could win it all, and he thinks the Jets could do that. And he reiterated that on the Michael K. show later on in the afternoon, which I'll get to in a little bit. Rodgers said that the Jets have an incredible, passionate fan base. He's looking forward to meeting them, and he loves the fact that they have high expectations, and he's glad that they're going to hold him and the rest of the team to high expectations. Rodgers said that growing up, he had VHS tapes of all the old Super Bowls, and so he watched Super Bowl three a lot. It was a joy for him to finally get a chance to meet Joe Namath at a charity event a couple of years ago, and he also said that the Super Bowl three trophy in the Jets trophy case looks lonely. He's hoping to add to it. Rogers said, and this is in reference to why he didn't end up speaking to Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers. He said he has limited cell service where he lives in Malibu, <laughs> and he prefers FaceTime and never got any FaceTimes from anyone with the Packers. I'm sorry, as much as I'm glad to see Aaron Rodgers here. If you believe that, then I'll introduce you to the Tooth Fairy. He was clearly avoiding Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, the Packers president. I've said this many times. I'm sure that Rodgers does really like the Jets roster. I'm sure he is excited to be here. I'm sure he is excited to be reunited with Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sure that he really does appreciate how much the Jets wanted him. And I think he does believe the Jets have a chance to win a championship, but I also think that what's motivating him more than anything else right now is the opportunity to stick it up the ass of Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy because he's still angry that they tried to replace him three years ago, and furthermore, that it appears that they wanted to move on from him this offseason. I think he got that impression either at the very end of the 2022 season or just as the offseason began, and he's still angry about it, and I think that's good for the Jets because an angry, motivated Aaron Rodgers is the best Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers said that he is going to be with the Jets for the foreseeable future, at first, he didn't go beyond that. He said that he was happy to be a part of the team. He was asked a couple of times if that meant he was not committing beyond one year. Finally, later on, he did say that he doesn't see this in his mind as a one and done. He thinks of it more like a commitment. Again, keywords there, in his mind. And we'll get into something he said on the Michael K show that I think really put that into context and I'm also going to share what John Grella who of course is our media professional expert what he had to say about it as well Rogers asked him when he plans on practicing does tomorrow count he joked and then he said I will be there tomorrow it was said that Rogers was already in a team meeting and he showed up barefoot so of course Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers said it was ironic that his path has taken a similar direction to Brett Favre spending all those years with the Packers winning a Super Bowl there and then winding up with the Jets Rodgers called the Jets a storied franchise said that he's looking forward to being part of something special. He posed for a picture holding up the jersey with the number eight. He decided he is not going to take number 12 from Joe Namath, even though Joe Namath said he could. He said that number 12 is Joe Namath's number. That belongs to him. He wants to have a different number and forge a different path. And so he took number eight, which of course was vacated when Elijah Moore was traded to the Cleveland Browns a couple of weeks ago. Rodgers also made it clear how highly he thinks of Nathaniel Hackett, said, I love you, brother. And he's pumped to be back working with somebody he feels so close with. Woody Johnson was asked if there was any hesitation not knowing if Aaron Rodgers would definitely play more than a year. None. No, that was his answer. Rodgers on Zach Wilson. He's going to make my 
my life hell in practice. I'm going to make his life heaven off the field. I can only guess that he's making some sort of drug reference there. Otherwise, I am completely lost. <laughs> Rogers joked that Sauce Gardner told him that the two of them could burn the cheese head together if he came to the Jets, but then Sauce went ahead and burned it without him, and he was a little bummed out. Rogers said he won't be at every OTA practice, but he will be there as much as he can. He said as far as if he was ever considering any other team or if there was anybody else ever in the mix, he said, quote, it was only the Jets for me. While we've talked about this, not only was Rogers set on the Jets, but also other teams were not interested because that contract was brutal. Nobody else wanted to get in on that. And so it was only going to be the Jets. The Packers knew that they were the only destination for Rogers. There was only one way this was going to end. It was just a matter of how it would end, when it would end, and so now we have that conclusion. Rodgers ended everything by quoting Andy Bernard from The Office as part of an answer to a question about how happy he seems. He was smiling throughout the entire press conference. Quote, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. There's some wisdom in that. So again, that is a quote from The Office. Robert Sala chimed in, said he gave Joe Douglas a big hug after the Rodgers trade was done. He joked, look at Joe, he's just a huggable guy. So that is what we got out of Aaron Rodgers and a little bit of Woody Johnson, Robert Sala. Joe Douglas also said, even though he spoke yesterday, one quick thing today of note, he said that you never know when a deal is going to get done, but he was relieved when it finally got finished. And then Aaron Rodgers, as I alluded to before, was on the Michael K show, did an interesting interview. He did very well today. I think it's going to change soon when the reporters try to get adversarial with him and he's going to push back in a way that no Jets star or quarterback has done since Richard Todd about 40 years ago. If you'll recall, Richard Todd once actually shoved Steve Serby into a locker. Steve Serby, the reporter from the New York Post, that happened in 1981. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to do that, but metaphorically, he may speak to them in a way that will make them want to jump into a locker. Rodgers on the Michael K. show said he welcomes the new challenge of being with the Jets. He's excited about it. He didn't need to come to the Jets to complete his legacy, but he wanted to. Happy that the fans have high expectations for him and he plans on living up to them. He said the Jets are one of a handful of teams that can actually win the Super Bowl. So, quote, let's go do it. He also said that he will play as long as it's fun and as long as his body holds up. Noted that there's been a lot of movement in modern medicine, huge improvements which have allowed players to play longer. Said, quote, we'll start with 2023 and take it from there. So really what it comes down to from all of those quotes, it seems to me, and I checked with John Grello, who of course was director of communications for the Tampa Bay Bucks for three years. And so he knows all of this stuff inside and out. He knows how to read these media quotes. He's a great decoder ring. We both agreed on this, and I'm glad that he concurred because it made me feel less crazy. Basically, what Aaron Rodgers is telling you is that ideally he wants to play for a couple of years. He did mention something about wanting to play into his 40s, but he's going to take it year by year, see how he feels physically, see how everything goes. He's not guaranteeing anything, but he is saying that in a perfect world, he would like to play for more than one year. So Walt, your thoughts on the presser and everything surrounding the Aaron Rodgers deal, which is now finally done and we can stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finally. What is this, like day 1086 of, of this? <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it is finally over, I guess you can say, with the press conference. 
Um, so, I mean, a couple of things. First of all, when it was said that the Jets are one of the handful of teams that could win the Super Bowl, I definitely agree with that. I have them fourth in my power rankings with Aaron Rodgers. So I definitely believe that they could make a run for the Super Bowl. They, they already had a great defense. Uh, they have uh, some dynamic weapons on offense. And we, you assume with the, with the 15th pick that, you know, if they get an offensive lineman, their blocking is going to be really good. And they were um, – they had seven games last year decided by a one score. So you got to believe that Roger having, having an upgrade from either Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, or Mike White to Aaron Rodgers is going to turn some of those games around. So I think the Jets are going to do very well this year. I think they're going to go 12-5, and five, at least maybe 13-4, and four, uh, despite being in a tough conference. And so, yeah, I think they, they can go as far as, uh, you know, Rodgers' health uh, can take them. You know, last year he had that broken thumb. Uh, which hurt the Packers, but if he's going to be healthy, then the Jets can definitely make a run for the Super Bowl. Um, another thing is that, uh, yeah, it definitely sounds like Rodgers is fully invested um, into playing well for the Jets. Like you said, he wants to stick it to the Packers' management, and that's important because uh, we've seen Rodgers when he's totally locked in and also when he's going through the motions, and he's a different quarterback each time. Um, so to have Rodgers being fully invested in the in this team and in the season, it sounds like he's already getting along uh, with some teammates. You know, like he like he joked about that uh, about Sauce Gardner uh, burning the cheese head. Like like that just shows that like there there is some camaraderie already. So uh, I I think it, I mean it it sounds great. Like I, I think Jets fans have a, a right to to feel optimistic about the season. And, uh, you know, that, that's awesome. Um, as far as the trade's concerned, I think they gave up too much. And we talked about the, uh, the terms that we thought the Jets and Packers would come to. I, I thought that uh, Joe Douglas uh, didn't really show any strength as a negotiator in a trade. But, you know, ultimately, if the Jets win the Super Bowl this year, then no one is ever going to complain about it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what Rodgers brings to the Jets. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Going to be a lot of fun around here for the first time in many years. And so regardless of how you feel about what the Jets gave up, the terms of the deal, it is exciting times here if you are a Jets fan. And it's exciting times now that the draft is happening later today. Walt, as always, you have a ton of great material up at WalterFootball.com. You and Charlie Campbell, who's one of the best in the game. Before we get into some predictions, the final mock drafts, the Jets specifically, can you go over the top items that you have right now in terms of draft odds and, of course, the hot press where you've got all the little news tidbits regarding what you expect to happen with the draft and teams that you've surveyed and stuff like that? So we're going to have um, uh, we're gonna have a new um, a hot press up on the site on Thursday. Uh, so the, the latest on the site currently is that, um, you know, you have uh, – not that the Jets are going to draft the corner in the first round, but th there is some, um, like, I, I guess you could say, like, pre-draft drama with the cornerbacks because a lot of people have Joey Porter Jr. in their mocks in the top 16. Like, I've seen him to Washington quite a bit. Um, but it sounds like Emmanuel Forbes has, has gotten past uh, Porter in, in a lot of teams' draft boards. Um you know, Forbes is, is such a ball hawk. He's, he's so instinctive, and so teams really like that a lot. And it sounds like he's going to go off the board for uh, Porter. Uh, another cornerback, Tyreek Stevenson, was in the first round of our mock drafts earlier, but teams have concern with um, some character concerns with him. So th there's a chance that he might slip to the second or third round. He's actually atop my third round of the mock draft. Not, not finalized, but 
Um, that's how far he could fall potentially. Um, so staying in the AFC East, the Bills, uh, a, a note in the hot press is that um, they're, they're trying to get bigger and stronger on both off the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, they already added to their offensive line for agency, but they could still do it. Uh, you could probably say they have one more hole on the offensive line. I, I personally think that uh, they need to upgrade center and, um, you know, they could probably do that in the second or third round. They also want a defensive line help. So, Last year, they, they were looking like the best team in the NFL up until Thanksgiving. They, they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. They, they looked amazing. And then Von Miller got hurt in Thanksgiving, and then things fell apart after that. Uh, so they need to add to their pass rush uh, to, to have a chance in the playoffs, especially if Von Miller goes down again. And he's an old player, so you can't count on him staying healthy. So it makes sense that the Bills would want to get better in the trenches. Um, a, another thing is that, um, you know, Washington uh, – like when we were talking about Forbes before, they have Forbes rated ahead of Joey Porter Jr. So that's something you can look for if you can find a, a prop on uh, Forbes. Um, I, I personally couldn't. I was looking on some sports books, but uh, each sports book has their different odds. So um, that, that's something I would look out for. But for actual odds that I bet, and this is on the site already, uh, I have Jalen Carter as a top five pick plus 100. Uh, I, you know, Carter sounds like he's going to be a Seahawk come uh, Thursday night. Um, you know, there, there are some off the field concerns with him, but the Seahawks have done their due diligence on him, and it sounds like they're 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 fine with him. And it, it's Seattle has drafted players with sketchy passes in the, uh, before, so I, I think I think there's a good chance Carter is going to be the pick. Uh, for Seattle. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Zay Flowers is someone who's going to go way earlier than the odds indicate. Like, this is actually my top uh, pick. So Zay Flowers under twenty under 23 and a half. I, I find that so egregious. Like, I, I feel like Zay Flowers is going to go 20 at the latest. I, I don't see the Seahawks passing on him. And he can go as early as 11. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah mocked him to Tennessee at 11. So I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, so I looked at a lot. Another offense, a couple of other offensive players, uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, he's minus 205 to go in the first round. He is he's going to go a lot earlier than people think. Uh, actually, we did a show on Tuesday with uh, Charlie, Jacob Kamaker, and I. We did a mock draft, and uh, we had Jameer Gibbs going 18, I believe, um, to the to the Lions. And someone commented, uh, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a Walter football shirt if Gibbs goes in the first round because I don't see it." And then uh, Charlie is like, "Well, you're gonna have to pony up because it's something gonna happen." So um, I, I think that Gibbs going in the first round is is a great bet. And then Bijan Robinson under 13 and a half. I he I I would be shocked if he doesn't go in the top ten. He's so talented. He's the number one player on so many of the teams' draft boards. Yeah, he's a running back, so he's not going to go top five. But I think he's going to go six to ten. You have three teams in the six to ten range that need running backs. You have Detroit at six. You have Atlanta at eight, and you have the Eagles at ten. I think one of them is going to take Bijan Robinson. So I, I like the under thirteen and a half a lot. Walt, let's talk about your final mock drafts, predictions, and specifically what you think Jets fans should be looking for at number 15, or perhaps if they trade up or trade down. What do you got here? So at 15, I think they go offensive tackle. Um, you know, maybe there's an unexpected player who falls to them and they, they just go best player available. Like, for example, we were talking about Jalen Carter earlier in, on one of these shows. Like, if he falls to 15, which I don't see, but hypothetically, if he does, it's going to be super hard for the Jets to pass on someone like him. Um, but if, if the board goes sort of like the way they think and no one unexpected or like really unexpected falls to them, I think you're going to see a tackle go to the Jets. My pick, uh, it, this is uh, probably going to be up um, by the time your podcast is released. It's not up yet. 
Uh, my pick for the Jets at number 15 is Darnell Wright, the tackle for Tennessee. Um, super athletic guy. Uh, he was great last year. Didn't allow a sack uh, to Henry Hooker. He shut down Will Anderson in the matchup, and um, I, I think that he would be a great uh, pick for the Jets. Uh, Peter Skaronsky is another option. So the, the issue with him is his short arms, and some teams have downgraded him on their draft boards. It's something else Charlie posted earlier in the week. Um, so some teams are like, okay, we're only going to have him as a guard only. But that's not going to – I don't think that's going to preclude him from going in the top 10. Like, I'm not going to have him available for the Jets pick at 15, even though I think he's lower in the pecking order than right. Um, like, you think back to a few years ago uh, – it was like five years ago or so by now. Uh, Brandon Sheriff um, was a guard coming out uh, of Iowa, and he was the number five pick, and Washington announced him as a guard. So teams aren't going to be afraid to draft a guard in the top 10. Like, it's not like – it's not ideal that he doesn't have long arms and, you know, he's not a lock to play left tackle, but I think that he could still go in the top 10. Like I'm going to have him going to Chicago. And I think the plan for the bears is they're going to try him up at left tackle. And if he doesn't pan out, uh, they're going to move him to guard and he's going to be like Quentin Nelson uh, or Zach, Zach Martin for the next decade or so. So uh, it's like either way, it's like a win-win for them. Um, another player for the Jets, I, I, I think if both right, and Skaronsky are off the board. I would say Broderick Jones makes a lot of sense. Now, um, he's raw, and he has a ton of upside, uh, but he could definitely be the pick. Um, it's someone that you know Joe Douglas has, has kind of drafted over the years, like the high upside guys. So I, I think it's going to be a tackle, but like I said, it's the draft. There could be a ton of trades, and suddenly you're like, well, how the heck did that guy drop to us? We're going to take him. Like, you see that sometimes. So, um, you know, if I were to guess right now, it would be Darnell Wright, but uh, we'll see what happens Thursday night. Anything else that's worth talking about from your mock drafts or final predictions beyond just the Jets? Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see when the first trade occurs. Uh, I remember the, uh, the the COVID year, it was like there were no trades at all because it seemed like teams didn't really uh, have a lot of time to to talk to each other. But you can see a trade as early as number three. Uh, the Cardinals are dying to get out of the number three pick. Um, and I, I think if they stay at three, they're going to take one of the pass rushers that Houston doesn't between Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Uh, but if they move out of three, I think they're going to trade down for Christian Gonzalez. I, I think they want the number one cornerback on their board, but they, they probably believe that Gonzalez is uh, it's way too early to, to take him at number three. And, um, you know, I think they're banking on someone moving up for a quarterback potentially, but I just don't see who. Like, even though Arizona is desperate to trade down, I just don't know who's going to trade up. Like, maybe Tennessee, but the problem there is that the Titans have a first-year GM. I don't know if he's going to make that bold, bold of a move. I don't see the Raiders moving up. I don't see the Falcons moving up. Um, now, I, I saw in uh, Daniel Jeremiah's mock, he had the Texans moving from 12 to 3, so they'd have 2 and 3, and he had them moving up for Will Anderson after they took C.J. Stroud. Not sure if they do that. I, like, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think you should move up that far if you're not taking a quarterback. So, you know, th there could be a mystery team that we don't know about. I, I just don't see it right now. So I, I think Arizona might have to stay put, even though they're, they're just dying to trade out of number 3. Um, I, I see Bijan Robinson going in the in the top ten. As I said earlier, I think Atlanta's going to take him. Uh, so you know, Atlanta Eagles, like I said, makes sense. I think the Lions uh, are going to take Devon Witherspoon over Bijan Robinson, but uh, Atlanta number eight. Um, I, I think this is kind of a mistake for them, even though I think it's going to happen. I, I I believe that like taking a first round running back is a mistake unless you're ready to win now. Like 
the Eagles make a ton of sense because the Super Bowl window is wide open. Uh, the Lions, you know, I, I've said this before. I think they're a Super Bowl team. They were eight and two in the final ten games. Uh, so, like, I, I've gone over that before. So, those two teams taking running back in the first round, I, I think, is very logical. But you know, Atlanta is not ready to win now. Yeah, I guess they could win their division, but they're going to lose right away in the playoffs because the NFC South is terrible. So, like, the pro- the the problem with that pick is that by the time Atlanta is ready to compete for a Super Bowl, uh, Bijan Robinson might have uh, some tired legs. He might have have some injuries. Um, so I, I think that it would just be a mistake to take him. But like I said, I think he's going to be the pick at eight. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I think it's uh, you know it's going to be a fun draft. Um, it's not a great draft class, but th- there's a lot of depth to this class. I think so. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Walt. Now I want to bring back Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan, who was on the show Monday to break down his favorite offensive prospects. Emery, let's talk defense now, and we will begin at a position where the Jets need a lot of help, and that is the interior defensive line. They've got Quentin Williams, who is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. They did just bring in Quentin Jefferson, but they really need that big run stuffer. Who do you think fits that description well? Should the Jets consider somebody like Kalijah Kansi early on? I know he's more of a pass rusher than a run stuffer, but still just that type of dynamic presence. Is there somebody that they might be able to get in the second round or later that would fit the Robert Sala, Jeff Ulbrich scheme? It all depends, man, because, you know, yeah, you bring up a good point about Quentin Jefferson. I'm a big fan of Quentin Jefferson, you know, have been since he was, you know, with the Seahawks since he entered the league. He's a really good person and good player. Um, but you're right. The depth there is 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 questionable. Um, so we'll see. But you know, we think about later in the draft. Daryl Middleton is someone I'm impressed with out of Bethel University. Uh, played at Tennessee. Played well at Tennessee. Transferred to the NAIA program, and you know he dominated. You know his level of competition uh, was at the Hula Bowl. So you know if he's if he got his head on straight and is able to you know replicate what he did not only at Bethel, but back in Tennessee, like that that's a true gem, in my opinion, that, that could fit this defense. Last year, the Jets drafted two defensive ends that are pass rushers, Jermaine Johnson in the first round, and then the fourth round, Michael Clemens. So they made investments there. They had paid Carl Lawson the year before that. Lawson, of course, missed the year with the injury, then came back last year and was pretty solid. The Jets seemed pretty determined to bring him back. And then they've got Bryce Huff. The Jets have some pretty good pass rushers, but they don't necessarily have that elite guy. And as you know, Emery, you can never have enough talented pass rushers. This is an interesting edge class because two of the guys at the top, Nolan Smith and Lucas Van Ness, to me, are more projection than guys that have proven it on the collegiate level. It's more about their athleticism and their sky-high ceiling than it is about what you may have seen from them in college. Talk to me about this edge rusher class, who you think might make some sense for the Jets again, either at 13 or later on. And then I was curious your thoughts about guys like Smith and Van Ness. There are some people that will say, how could you take somebody like Lucas Van Ness, who didn't even start at Iowa so early in the first round? But again, you know how this goes. A lot of times these teams will look at players and they don't think of them as, what are they now? They think of them as, what can I turn this guy into in two, three years from now? Guys like Smith and Van Ness have the type of ceiling where teams could look at that, think that their coaching staff could develop them 
to their ceiling, make them top of the league players, and then that's why they would take a swing there. So what do you think about the possibility of taking somebody who's a little raw like that but has the kind of ceiling like Van Ness or Smith early on? And who are some of the other guys that the Jets might be able to grab if they wanted to wait until later? Smith makes a lot of sense, uh, but I feel like the Jets, because they invested a first round, fourth round, you know, I think they're, I think they're they're set there. You know, they want to see Johnson jump up and make that that leap in year two. But I like Smith. I feel like Smith, because of the defense that came out, wasn't asked to really just get after it. But he has a length and closing speed that you look for coming off the corner. Uh, Miles Murphy is another guy that that people are, I think are undervaluing what he does. Uh, those Clemson defensive ends are really good. You know, so for me, it's about that. And and Van Ness, it, Van Ness, to your point, would be a, a big projection. Um, and so you'll have to be patient. But I feel like the Jets, because they have draft capital, they spent early draft capital at that position. They, they are not in a luxury, in my opinion, uh, to really gamble on it. I even like Bradley Anay, you know, got his bounce mm-hmm. on between this team, the Cowboys. And, you know, he's another one. He's built and plays a lot like Bryce Hoff. So they kind of have some in-house answers there. So we'll see how it turns out. What do you think about Tyree Wilson? He's been sort of a divisive type of prospect. There's some people that really love him and some people that don't like him all that much. Where do you come down? He reminds me a lot of um, Marcus Davenport uh, when he was coming out of UTSA. Better athlete than football player right now. Um, I think he's more of a five-tech than a you know traditional seven-tech or nine or you know whatever. I feel like he is someone you want playing that five technique because that's where he gets the most pressure because utilize his length. He's not savvy enough, so he's going to require a little bit of seasoning um, and, and getting coached up because I feel like he just he has the, the the tools on paper but just hadn't put it all together in the complete package. So, yeah, he's my number one five technique in the class, but I just feel like that should be his role. I hope he doesn't get put in a situation where they're asking him to be, you know, a Miles Garrett or something like that because that's just not his game. Linebacker is another position that the Jets could use in a big way. They have C.J. Mosley's getting older, he's slowing down. They just brought back Quincy Williams, but Quincy Williams still leaves a lot to be desired in pass coverage. They could especially use a linebacker that can cover running backs and tight ends. They've been missing that element for a long time, and it's something that opposing offenses really exploited last year. They understood what the Jets had at cornerback with D.J. Reed and Sauce Gardner. They understood that up front, Quinton Williams was dominating, so they found ways to pick on the linebackers and the safeties, and we'll get to the safeties in a little bit. Who are some of the linebackers you like here? I know Jack Campbell's been mentioned a lot. Maybe he's a possibility in the second round. I don't really envision a linebacker being the pick at number 13, but past that, are there some guys that could come in here and really help the Jets right away? Yeah, if you think about what the Jets did in the draft, you think about, okay, they have some guys that they are banking on, you know, like Jamie and Sherwood. You know, I feel like he's someone that could help them out. Nezarilla Dean, you know, uh, they – drafted him as well uh but we're talking about draft linebackers i, I feel like Deion henley will be someone that i would target at 13 because i'm a big fan of his game i think he's a dual threat player someone that um can cover equally as he can you know play the run he's a former receiver turn linebacker he just plays so well against washington state i'm sorry against wisconsin and you know down at the senior bowl and when i watched him on film to me, that's that's a guy. You know, he's a dude, and I think they need a dude. Mosley is a good one, and you always worry about Mosley if he can stay healthy. But man, I would be, 
I would be hard pressed to to pass on a Dayon Henley, man. I, I'm just he reminds me a lot of Fred Werner, and you know, seeing that's the comp, seeing you know who's the head coach here, I feel like that would be a perfect fit. So you think maybe at number forty two or number forty three? If he's there, man, he's my top inside linebacker. So mm. again, if if thirteen is is a wild card for the Jets, and they feel like hey, we can really go anywhere because of the job that we've done in free agency. I wouldn't be upset if they took him at 13. So if he's wow. there at 40-something, then, yeah, take him definitely. Run up to the podium and, and put the card in. <laughs> Any other linebackers you like? Marte Bapu is another one, you know, uh, from Sacramento State. Another guy that's a versatile guy, you know, 6'2", 220. Um, you know, kind of that cross between a safety and linebacker. He's another one of these guys that played safety at Sac State um, but played more of a linebacker as well. He can cover. He plays the alley rather well. So he's another one that's just a good, versatile player. Um, and this league is all about versatility. So he's someone else that I, that I would have my eye on. Safety, as I said, another major position of weakness for the Jets without question. They don't even really have a viable option to start at free safety at the moment. LaMarcus Joyner's gone. He was one of the worst free safeties in the league last year. Anyway, at strong safety, they did add Chuck Clark. He's a nice piece. Jordan Whitehead struggled last year, but again, strong safety. He's currently slated to still be on the roster, but there's no one there at free safety. They really need some help. I don't think they're going safety at number 13. You've heard the name Brian Branch, but that would surprise me. What do you think about the safety position here? By all accounts, a weaker group overall, but is there somebody here that maybe the Jets could get past number 13 that could come in and be that free safety option for them? Oh, absolutely. Christopher Smith out of Georgia, I think, is a phenomenal uh, free safety. You know, from a football instincts perspective, someone that really sees the game from top down, can play deep third. Um, You know, he can play in that split safety look if you want to. Good instincts, good ball skills, breaks on the ball rather well. So for me, he is someone uh, that the Jets could definitely target. You also look at another, you know, one of these guys from Pitt. You know, they, they bring in Whitehead, but hey, how about Eric Hallett out of Pitt? You know, he's 5'9", 191, so he could probably be more of your slot defender in terms of, you know, coverage, but he's another one that gets a hands, his hands on a lot of passes. He had 32 pass breakups, um, you know, in his career. That's around the ball a lot. Great in zone coverage, um, can cover in the alley, can cover in the slot, so his awareness is where it needs to be. Those are two guys I think, you know, to help them out on the back end would, would immediately help upgrade. Emery, when Mark Ross, who used to be Jerry Reese's right-hand man in the Giants front office and is now EVP of football ops for the XFL and an analyst over at NFL Network was on the show, he said that he thought that Sidney Brown of Illinois was the top safety in this draft, and he also really likes Quan Martin, who was Sidney Brown's running mate at safety at Illinois. What do you think of those two guys? Big fan of those, man. Sidney Brown was my number one strong safety. Like mm-hmm. he is, he is legit. You know, in terms of you know playing aggressive, playing fast, doing what you need to do at the position. Outstanding awareness. Um, kind of like Mike Brown, a former Bears safety that was always around the ball at the right time when you needed a play to be made. And Quan is someone that can also double down and play corner if you need to. I spoke with him at the combine. And he talked about, you know, showing that he can also play corner and play coverage. So he gives you a little bit of that versatility on the back end as well. 
What do you think with Quan Martin? I know a lot of people believe he could be a Swiss Army knife, maybe a little nickel, some safety, a little bit of linebacker even, although he's not the biggest guy, but you could use him in some of those formations where he could potentially be a linebacker during certain downs. Do you think there's any possibility he could be more of a free safety in the NFL, or is that not something you think he could do? We've gotten to the point where it's so positionless on the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of depend on the matchup. You know, it depends on who you're facing that Sunday on what your role is going to be. But I do like the fact that he came out of a defense that showed a lot of versatility. They were asked to do a lot of different things at Illinois, um, and I think he can't handle whatever role, you know, some team wants to utilize him in where he would be best as probably, you know, in that that combo safety role, you know. Um, But for me, I wouldn't doubt any Illinois defensive player in this draft class they were really good on defense last year and as we know the Jets like those Illinois defensive backs last year Tony Adams was brought in as an undrafted free agent and made the 53-man roster right now he'd probably be the front runner to be the free safety for the Jets in 2023 just based on who they have currently yeah again you can't certain certain programs you talk about sight unseen um, and I know people say don't scout the helmet, but for if, if the same position coach is there and you're seeing guys constantly turn out to be really good pros coming from that particular, you know, coach and defense and position, then you can trust it. It's so kind of like you trust Utah defensive backs. It's kind of like you trust anybody from Kansas State. They seem to just do a great job. Receivers from Ohio State right now, you know, it's just that's just it, it is what it is cornerback not a big position of need for the Jets Michael Carter the second pretty good slot corner DJ Reed one of the better corners in the league and Sauce Gardner is already at the top of the league despite having only played one year it's amazing how well he did his rookie season I've never seen a rookie season that good from a cornerback so it's not a position you think the Jets are going to address early but if a talent like say Devin Weatherspoon or Christian Gonzalez is sitting there at 13 and the guys the Jets like are not on the board at other positions and they're not getting good offers to trade down at that point maybe you have to think about it just based on the positional value and where they would sit in terms of their ranking on the big board and all of that what do you think about the top corners in this draft? Is that something you consider doing if somebody at a different position that you really like wasn't there and you couldn't get a good enough offer to trade down? And then who are some of the corners that you think the Jets might be able to get later on? Because as we said with pass rushers, you can never have enough quality corners. There's always multiple different matchups that require a whole bunch of corners to be out there. You need depth and it's never a bad thing to have quality players at that position. So what do you think overall here at cornerback? You know, if Gonzalez is there at 13, you you almost have to take him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and Reed is just going to have to kick down inside. He's going to have to understand. Like, this is too good to pass up, you know, and you get your, your another lockdown corner. Um, the Jets have done a good job in just identifying what works for them, bringing them in, and, and really developing guys. Um, so, yeah, you look at – Later on in the draft, if they don't address it early, I'm a big fan of Anthony Adams out of Portland State, good cornerback. Um, it's been a, a big year, in my opinion, in the FCS for defensive back prospects. Portland State got two guys. They got Xavier Bell, who's a combo player, can play you know, safety or inside as a slot defender. Um, he's a tall guy, 6'2", 200 pounds. Adams is 5'11", 185, excellent cover corner uh you go watch those games against you know the games they had against washington 
you know, the Huskies, they, they're able to step up and show that they can cover one-on-one uh, against Power 5 competition. So the Jets are in, in a luxury position. They got Jimmy Moreland on the roster as well. Um, so they got they got, they got got options, man. But I, I feel like, you know, to your point, if they get – if Gonzalez, for whatever reason, is there, then you just um, – you almost have to take him. Emery, in terms of the overrated and underrated here on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about this offensively. Are there any players that you think are getting hyped up too much and any players that you think are not getting hyped up enough? I don't think people are talking enough about Brian Brissy. And I think a lot of folks are, you know, focused on this past season and not, you know, understanding all that he had going on. Um so I feel like even though he may go in round one, he's a bit underrated. And so it's like another Clemson defensive player that's underrated, but overrated. Uh, probably be Tyree Wilson, you know, based off how people are talking about him. You know, you heard people talking about him potentially being, you know, the top edge rusher in the class over a Will Anderson. And I just didn't see that when I was on watching on film. Now, again, we're talking about someone that is my number one five technique, but I feel like, you know, the – talk around him just not it's not jiving with the film shows so and it's again it's not any fault of these players on of their own it's just that we in the media tend to focus on the same 31 names and then when you really get to you know diving in the tape and studying these guys you realize that you know what you've heard doesn't jive with what you're watching on film Emery, knowing what you know about the defense that Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich like to run, even going back to Robert Sala's days with the San Francisco 49ers, are there any players at any particular positions that you look at and say, wow, that guy, perfect fit, given the Robert Sala, that's who the Jets need to take? Deion Hindley, I think that's the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's someone that Robert Sala would love to have in the middle of his defense. I feel like he's just a Robert Sala guy, just makes plays. He's a you know a versatile athlete. He still has upside, so he's still you know a little bit coachable. You know you could develop him a little bit more. I think that's the guy that would fit perfectly. We talked a lot about the individual prospects. We went around to each position. We know the Jets have three picks in the top fifty, and then they don't have a third round pick because that got traded in the Elijah Moore deal. But they do have a pick in the fourth and the fifth, so they've got some picks a little bit later on. If you were Joe Douglas. And you had to approach this draft knowing what you know about who's on the roster right now and who you think is probably coming in. We've talked quite a bit about what could happen at the quarterback position. How would you approach this draft? What would you be looking to do specifically here? Is there a route that you would be looking to take here in the draft, not only with the three picks in the top 50, but just with the overall big picture? Trying to build elite depth to where you get elite rotations. Mm -hmm. Rotations are everything, and that's what helps you get through um, a a long season and get through the playoffs and are able to really make noise in the playoffs. We've seen a lot of teams that made deep runs in the playoffs. The reason why? Tremendous depth Mm -hmm. where they can have rotations, particular units, O-line, D-line. So if you can build depth there where where you can rotate guys in comfortably, and continue the same excellence on both sides of the ball. Now you're now you're cooking with gas. And I think that's the, the mindset, especially when you think about how this team is already constructed, that they should take.
Thanks, Emery, and thank you for listening. Make sure you join us tonight. We're going to be streaming live starting at 7 o'clock. We're going to have a bunch of guests throughout the night. Luke Grant will be on with me. Plus, we'll do a crossover with my friend Glenn Naughton over at JetNation.com and his co-host Dylan Terman. We're going to have a lot of fun. People are going to be popping in and out all night. We're going to cover everything going on with the Jets and the rest of the draft. So please join us. We're going to have links up on Twitter. And of course, as always, we will have daily recaps here on the show. Glenn Naughton will join me and we'll go over the Jets selection and everything else that went on during round one. We'll do round two and round three for day two and then rounds four through seven for day three. Also, make sure that you check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from that under, Luke Grant, has a great All-22 breakdown of Aaron Rodgers going up against the AFC East in 2022. Seems pretty relevant right now, doesn't it? You want to watch that video. Trust me, if you haven't already, if you've watched it already, watch it a second time. Also, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee.public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee.public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.